Life guys, this is me, your host D Williams, aka Daryl Williams, aka Dumbass, aka Dude that's hanging out with his only mother so far. Who knows what's gonna happen in the future? But so far, I only have one biological mother, and she's sitting here in person with me right now. She goes by the name of Mom. Also, Deanne King. Hello, everybody. Hello, people. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Guys, this is normally a, a comedy podcast. We're talking about my struggles through stand-up comedy, the open mic scene. But this one's a special episode, not only because we're in quarantine and because life is dumb right now, but because it's Mother's Day and I have most special person right now to me right now. Yay! And we just had Domino's Pizza. That's true. We did have Domino's Pizza. Also, we are kind of in a weird spot right now. We're road tripping it from Texas to California. And we're in the middle of New Mexico as we speak. On Mother's Day. What a drive. Yeah, what a drive. So far, but... Who else would I want to do it with? I don't know. Probably a lot of people. But instead, I'm doing it with my mom. Yep. Thank you, Daryl. So, let's get into it, Mom. My first question is, uh, when did you first realize that I was the most funniest person you ever knew? Oh, probably when you were maybe four or five years old. Um do you remember what I did or said or? Well, first of all, um, you talked earlier than anybody I know. I mean, you came out talking. <laughs> Telling the doctor's jokes. Yeah. And you never stopped talking after that. And you were always extremely inquisitive. You know, why? How? Where is that? How'd that happen? When did that happen? But um, maybe that's uh, what makes a, a comic mind is to be inquisitive or to be kind of critical of like, hey, what's going on here? Yeah. And I think uh, you were always funny when you were a kid. And I just remember, you know, little stories about, you know, when you were in the third grade and you went to picture day and uh, you were wearing a white shirt and a tie. <laughs> I was the only third grader in a tie. That's right. You're the only third grader with a buzz haircut and a tie and a white shirt on. And every other kid had polo shirts and T-shirts. And I told you this is what I want to wear. That's exactly what you said. I'm going to wear this. And I said, I think you might you made fun of. And you said, I don't care. Yep. I realize I, I I do remember that, and it's funny because I don't know what it was, but I like dressing up. I like looking nice. I like being dapper and stuff, especially when it came to school. Yeah. I think it's not as bad now. I feel like if kids showed up in a tie, people would be like, "Cool, you're a hipster, whatever." 
Yeah, I mean, you were just thinking outside the box, you know, mm-hmm. way back then. I remember um I would I would go to school, especially in like junior high and high school. I would go I'd show up in a like like a tie or suit or whatever, and then I I felt <laughs> it's weird because a part of me was like, I want to wear this because it looks cool. But then I would get self-conscious once a lot of kids were like, what are you wearing a suit for? What the heck is that? And then I would make an excuse of like, oh, I, I have a presentation or some sort of like book report that I had to do. And that's why I have to wear this. It's like I, I like fell back on, I have to do this. Not that I want to do it. Yeah. I mean, but you know, and, uh, You know, when you were eight years old and we were at my parents, you know, 30th wedding anniversary party and they were videotaping, you know, you kept saying, jumping up into the video saying, I want to be in the video. I want to be in the video. Give me the video (laughs) camera. Give me that video camera. And you can hear everybody. No, Daryl, Daryl. No, you can't have the video camera. Right. No, I want the video camera. Hey, put the camera on me. (laughs) <laughs> so there is there is actual footage of him just jumping up and you see this little head bobbing <laughs> into the frame constantly throughout the whole entire video at the party well i i definitely feel like i maybe that's why i do a podcast as well is that i always feel like i had a i drew towards audio visual stuff i love all this technical mumbo jumbo but it is interesting how – I don't know how that gravitates. Like, is that like a nature or nurture thing? Like, I feel like I was born that way. No, I I think somebody said to me one time, he's either going to be a politician or a comedian. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you're a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't really – I didn't – I don't recall doing student government, but I do like politics. I did get a – a degree in political science. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. But, you know, I just uh, always thought that that was something that you would gravitate towards, you know, public speaking, or you didn't ever seem like you were afraid to talk to anybody or, you know, shy in that way, you know. It is interesting, yeah, how, like, I don't know what it is, but some people kind of have that and they're not, they don't have to, like, force themselves to do it it's almost like no i want to do this Mm -hmm. i don't know why i was that way but i guess i'm glad i don't i don't really think about like oh i wish i was not that way yeah i wish i did have comedy college school though like i could major in comedy instead of poli-sci oh yeah i mean i'm sure you would have you know probably been the top of your class wouldn't that be cool like so awesome if like you could just go to college for four years get a degree in comedy and then just start doing improv shows (laughs) well yeah that would be great except for the fact that i still think i mean you still have to pay your dues i mean everybody's gonna have to you know find their own voice and find their own you know material and and really hone their craft, you know, to where they feel comfortable and talking to people and know what's funny and what's not. And But, you know, where you can push and where you need to pull back at, you know, every audience is going to be different. You know, what's so weird is that, like, I find it easier to talk in front of big crowds 
than with one person. Hmm. Like if I was just standing with two people, I get really anxious and awkward. Like, oh, what am I going to say? Am I going to be stupid? Or, uh-huh. But if it's in front of 50 people, I'm like, who cares? I'm saying it. <laughs> <laughs> who cares? I'm saying it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why that is, but like, I mean, obviously Seinfeld has a bit about that. I saw a thing, actually, a study that said speaking in front of a crowd is considered the number one fear of the average person. I found that amazing. Number two was death. (laughs) Death is number two? This means to the average person, if you have to be at a funeral, you would rather be in the casket than doing the eulogy. I think I'd probably rather be in the casket. (laughs) I don't think I'd want to be up on stage. I think there's also, like, a difference between, like, doing public speaking, like, in a TED Talk versus, like, you know, doing an hour on, you know, at the improv. Because there's different expectations. Yeah, and in TED Talk, I mean, you're just getting up there and talking about what you know about yourself or what subject matter it is. But, you know, my God, I mean, in the improv, you would have to, you know, really have everything, the timing down and the nuances down and the tone down. And Well, nobody's expecting a TED Talk to be entertaining in the sense of, like, they didn't make me laugh. I don't like that TED Talk. Right, right. But, I mean, you go to a comedy club to be entertained and, you know, to find somebody who, you know, most people are trying to find somebody they can relate to on some subject, whether Mm -hmm. it be, you know, news, weather, whatever it is, even, you know, sports, whatever it is, you know. So, obviously, uh, I've been doing comedy a little bit, and uh, have you heard a a few of my bits? Oh, yeah, Um, yeah, and I think... Every story that you have about some incident that happened, I mean, I completely understand that there's going to be parts of it that are, you know, true and, you know, verbatim what happened, but you have to make the story have some interest. Right. There has to be some reality in bait. There has to be reality based, but everybody has license to... You know, it wouldn't be necessarily that funny. I mean, I don't think me as a person am, am that hilarious to talk about. But if you add, if you can flavor me up a little bit. Right. I become something a little more entertaining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I understand that. You know, I'm not going to take anything, you know, personal. Fuck you, Gary. <laughs> the thing about Gary, he's been married to my mom for five months. He wanted me to call him dad on the first date. I know, right? Not going to happen. It's weird. Like, he came up to me at the wedding during the reception and he was all like, How's it going, son? (laughs) And I was like, could have been better with an open bar, Gary. (laughs) Can you chill out for this? Man, my mom's worth that. My mom's worth the open bar. Um, That's the thing, like, I'm not going to call a guy dad who's been in my mom less than I have. I'm not gonna do it. I've been in her nine months straight. 
Nine months. He's been in her what? Half a dozen times, a couple of minutes here and there. track record like she went from it's the third third guy she went from Barry to Larry to Gary I swear if the fourth one's a Terry it better be a woman it better be a woman I just wish like the fourth one is like somebody like a Denzel somebody that's just gonna like, teach me some like big dick energy if it was a Denzel I'll call him daddy Would there be something that you would want, not want me to talk about? Hmm, I never thought about that. Because obviously, yeah, I have a few jokes about you, but I don't feel like they're, uh, you know, punching down. It's... Um, no, but I mean, every, you know, every comedian is, you know, yeah, I guess, uh, you know what, you want to take even the, the bad and the good and, and try to make it entertaining, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be, you know... I don't know. I'm trying to think of that. I mean, it wouldn't be... You know, like like comics like Maria Banford and others, like a majority of their set or specials in the past have been about her mom or, you know, parents and stuff. Right. And I'm always curious to think, like, is her mom into this or is it like, oh, I wish she didn't say that, but oh, well. Yeah, I mean... um... I'm trying to think of the one comic that talks about her parents all the time. Anyway, she, you know, she talks about her parents all the time and, and she makes fun of them. Mm-hmm. You know, she makes fun of them just from, from, you know, just the, basically the, from the era that they were born in, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, Kathleen Madigan. Okay. Yeah. I went home to St. Louis for Christmas and I walked into my parents' house, which I hadn't been into in about, I don't know, six months. And unbeknownst to me, they changed all the light bulbs in the house into those energy saving light bulbs. So when I walked in, as if I haven't had enough weird lighting in Afghanistan, they're sitting in this weird, dim, hazy lighting. And I'm like, hey, what's going on, guys? We, uh, we have a seance. My dad goes, no, no, we're not, Kathleen. Your mother thought it would be a good idea at our age when our eyesight is failing (laughs) to make the house as dimly lit as possible, Kathleen. Because she's upset, because Al Gore's upset, because there's no more polar bears. Well, you know what? I'm 69 years old. I live in Missouri. I've never seen a polar bear. I don't care if I ever see a polar bear. What I'd like to see is the coffee table. That's what I'd like to see. (laughs) Then that starts the side argument. It's not because of Al Gore, Jack. They just don't make the regular light bulbs anymore. I can't find the regular light bulbs anymore. When? When did they stop making regular light bulbs? And why weren't we notified in the mail by the government? I mean, we're only going to live 10 more years. I couldn't have bought enough light bulbs for the rest of our lives. I would have bought extra and sold them out of the back of the truck to other old people who didn't know. I could have jacked the price up. Oh, my God. So Kathleen Madigan talks about her parents, you know, quite a few, 
you know, quite a bit in her comedy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's freaking hilarious. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love the way she talks about her parents. It's not disparaging or anything. It's just, you know, some of it I'm sure is maybe accentuated, you know, some of their characteristics, but they're truly, it's truly, truly funny. Right, right. You know, if you just get up there and say a bunch of bad things about how your mom was or your dad, and even if she beat the crap out of you, Mm -hmm. you know. um, Oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious, (laughs) you know. But, you know, know, yeah, I'm always curious. That's the thing, like, obviously, like, I, I've drawn material from you. I've drawn material from a lot of family members, but I am not apprehensive, but I am very not worried either, but just like kind of cautious on like, sh- I wonder how my mom's going to hear or feel about this. <laughs> well, yeah. and if it's really funny, I don't want to just be like, Hey mom, it's killing. Suck it up. <laughs> no, I mean, like, if it really did offend you, I would be like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't say this. Even if it is funny, you know? No, I don't I don't think there's too many things that are really, quote-unquote, off-limits. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, you've it's... been married three times. Right. And I brought that up in a... But that's the thing. I don't... I don't really talk about you being married three times. I feel like my fu- my funny take on it is the guys that you got married to my dad included, all of their names sound similar. Yeah, correct. Correct. So that's where I felt the funny part was, is like, isn't that funny? Like that they all kind of have the same name instead of, isn't it funny that she's been married three times? Like, yeah, that in and of itself is, you know, probably not that funny. In fact, it's, you know, I always tell people, you know, it's not something I probably widely advertise to every- Yeah. Oh, by sure. the way, hi, my name's Deanne. I've been married three times. <laughs> you don't introduce Gary as that? No, this, this is, is my third husband. This is my third husband, you know. I hope the, hopefully this is the last one. But, you know, people say, you know, uh, you know, somebody asked me, well, you've been married three times. You know, do you have any marriage advice? And I said, Actually, no, I do have none at all. <laughs> You're like, Don't I said, get married. <laughs> I, in fact, I have no advice on how to make a great marriage, but I certainly know how to fuck one up. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ask me what not to do. <laughs> Ask me what not to do. I can tell you all about that. <laughs> I remember um, one time when I was first starting, you were suggesting a, a joke that I should bring up on stage about you being a nurse and working through nursing school as a stripper and using the same outfit for both jobs. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> to me, it's funny. I mean, and then I, that's the thing though, is that I remember talking to you, about, but mom, you're not, you were never a stripper. And you're like, so? So? <laughs> Isn't that funny though? It is funny. <laughs> and, that's what I feel like is like, well, you're, that's the first part of being a comedy writer is like taking some sort of truth and spinning it. Right. Right. And the thing is, is that, you know, if I was to, you know, go off and take every story that you tell and get all angry about it or whatever, knowing that this is a story. Right. This is, this is part of what you do. This is part of, 
your act. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be all 100% truth about every little instance that you talk about because, um, you know, it just doesn't have to be, you know, and I understand that. And actually, I mean, when you, when you think about, you know, comedians, I mean, there are plenty of comedians out there that have characters that they do. Mm -hmm. And your parents or your, your sister or your brother or whoever it is, your boss or mm -hmm. whoever it is in your comedy act is a character. Yeah. And the character is really who you make, who you make of it. Now, if you just got up and, you know, said that, you know, yeah, my mother's, you know, is an Indian raised on an Indian reservation right. or something <laughs> like that. I mean, it would be and just, she was married to Jeffrey Dahmer. Right. Yeah. Now, I mean, people would fact check you and go, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Jeffrey Dahmer was gay. Right. <laughs> he, he doesn't look very Indian to me. <laughs> yep. So I'm one of those white Indians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's gotta be some truth to, you know, what you, talk about or just wouldn't work right that's the thing though is that like like i'm unveiling one of my jokes but i said like like with the three husbands i was like okay the first husband was named barry then i went to larry then gary right now technically the first guy my dad his name is not barry his name is billy yeah but when i first started doing it as the joke of it went from Billy to Larry to Gary, it didn't have the right the feeling, the rhythm. Right, right, even right. Even though that was the truth. Right. Once I changed it to Barry, suddenly it was nine day different. Yes. Now, why is that? Because it has the rhythm. Right, right, exactly. I mean, and I and I get that. You but know? obviously, people that knew me, like if I, if any of Robin or whoever my brothers and sisters saw that they would be like his name wasn't barry right but the average audience member wouldn't be saying that no i mean and you know that's that's the thing i mean is that's what makes it funny and that's what makes the little nuances you know you can't you cannot as a family member of a comedian get all worked up about whatever they say you mm -hmm. know now, granted, I mean, you wouldn't want them to just get up there and, you know, bash your whole entire character. Right. You know? I mean, I do feel like there is a limit. Like, there are certain things that, like, obviously, uh, you know, things that have happened with my siblings or you or any family member that I'm like, yeah, that would be funny. But also, I don't want to say that because I don't want to, like, air out that that secret or that that part of their life that they probably don't want me making fun of. Right, right. You know, I mean, and and a lot of it too. You know, as you you know age or whatever, you get older, you you get a little less. You know, I guess you just have to like kind of let thicker things, skin. Yeah, and you kind of have to let things go. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you if you if you have such thin skin that you can't take a joke mm -hmm. about cer certain things. You know, um, and, you know, you can't take a joke. I find it funny, too, because a lot of when I first started talking to family members about doing comedy, their first question was, do you have any jokes about me? 
do you have any like are you talking about me on stage oh and- i absolutely <laughs> knew you were going to talk about me yeah. <laughs> i absolutely 100 percent knew that i was going to be one of the lead characters <laughs> in daryl's comedy act i mean like i knew it right off from the get-go i mean but that's the weird thing is that when i told like my siblings like no nah, i don't really talk about you they're they're kind of like oh really yeah. like i haven't done anything funny to you or anything uh, like that like they kind of felt bad or like i thought you were gonna make fun of me a little like <laughs> no i mean the thing is is that you know i think as you know kids i want to say kids you know people in your age group Mm -hmm. um a lot of them came from very you know from divorced families broken families a lot of them did not have intact families and i think in that age group of people uh that generation of people they have a lot to relate to of comics that didn't come from intact families so i think uh yeah, I mean, it's it's true. I mean, if you, you know, in that, in that, and of course, you kind of fall into that category, I mean, of a lot of people your age that her their parents are divorced and remain divorced and they've, you know, some have remarried, some have not. Sure. And, um, you know, they have stepbrothers, step-siblings, half-siblings, half-brothers, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I always thought you have just about everything you have siblings half siblings step siblings mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and so it certainly makes uh life a little bit more you know interesting right you know? now what do you feel like is probably some of your favorite comics i mean you mentioned kathleen manigan oh um i love christopher titus sure i think he's great my father never missed a drink in his life <laughs> or a joint or a party, or a chance to get laid. He also never missed a day of work, or a house payment, or a car payment. I never went hungry, although he did a couple of times, so I wouldn't. Yeah, this is a man who survived four heart attacks. A doctor revoked his organ donor card. (laughs) Issued him a hazardous waste decal. Well, he actually had three heart attacks in a heart episode. Because his last heart attack, he was with an HMO. Yes. Yes. And it seems that if they write down heart attack, they have to admit you. But if they write down heart episode, they can give you Robitussin and send your ass home. Dad finally had a defibrillator implanted in his body. No, clear. He had a little one right here. Ironically, the size and shape of a cigarette pack, which used to crack me the fuck up, man. Because he smoked for 40 years. Now he's got a permanent little square right here. Hey, Dad, you got a cigarette? Yeah, hold up. Is that funny, you little son of a bitch? And this thing, if my dad's heart went below a certain beat or above a certain beat, it would zap him. So, so you could be mid-sentence with my father. He'd just go, nah! <laughs> Dad, you okay? Hey, shot your ass about eight feet, didn't it? And obviously, Christopher Titus has a lot about his family. Oh, yeah. And one of my favorites is, you know, Norman Rockwell's Bleeding. Mm-hmm. And... 
I listen to his podcast quite a bit. I mean, I like some of the clean, clean comics, like, you know, Brian Regan and, of course, you know, Jerry Seinfeld. But, uh, you know, one of my favorites was, you know, Richard Jenny. I love sure. Richard Jenny. He was, he was great. So somebody said, are you married? I go, eh, no. <laughs> Not putting it down. It's just a tough decision in life. Married or single? It's like when the doctor goes, well, what'll it be? Ointment or suppositories? <laughs> You have to compare the disadvantages of each. Marriage or not. You gotta say to yourself, hey, do I wanna be a single guy and run around in bars with a bunch of different morons? Or do I wanna be married with a family and stay home with the same exact group of morons? <laughs> do I wanna go out every night talking about a bunch of stuff I'm not really interested in just to see if I can get some sex out of it? Oh, do I want to be married? Talking about a bunch of stuff I've heard before just to see if I get some sex out of it. <laughs> do I want to spend a lot of nights sneaking off to the bathroom with a dirty magazine? Or do I want to be single? These are the choices we face. They're not easy. Let us pray we have the wisdom. <laughs> And I like um, Mike Birbiglia. Mm-hmm. I land at JFK, I take a cab to our apartment, I collapse on our beloved couch, and it hugs me. Jen gets me some mint tea and some hot and sour soup, and I say, Chloe, people with kids are miserable. And look, maybe I have a low tolerance for children, because... I've lost a lot of great friends to kids. <laughs> because it really is like a disease in some ways, but it's worse than a disease because they want you to have it, too. <laughs> They're like, you should have kids, too. I'm watching you do it, and I'm thinking I'm going to not do it. They're like zombies. Like, you should eat brains. I'm watching you eat brains, and it seems like it ruined your life. And the way you kill zombies, you probably know this from the movies, right? Is you shoot them in the head with a shotgun. Or you chop off their heads with a machete or a samurai sword, which is also the way you kill anyone. So I'm talking about this with Jen, and she laughs, and I laugh, and we laugh as one. And then she says, but if we had a baby, I think it would be different. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> You got bit! I do feel like I I, I want to give you a lot of credit for me being wanting to do stand up because I do feel like you were a big influence in exposing me to comedy. Mm. Yeah, I don't I don't have a lot of people in my life that were like, you need to watch this. You, you know, I remember you were like telling me, yeah, watch this Bill Cosby special, and I was like ten years old. Right. Right now, um, and obviously, like I don't know what if I would have still had that same like 
drive if I never was exposed to stand-up, you know, at an early age. Yeah, well, you have to understand that, you know, I mean, I had you guys when I was only 20 years old, so I was a kid myself. Mm-hmm. I yeah, mean, I was it was stand-up, trying... MTV. <laughs> yeah, it was stand-up comedy, MTV. I mean, I was still watching and growing up myself, mm-hmm. so... Of course. I mean, I probably, you know, let you guys watch things that maybe I shouldn't have let you watch. Right. Let's hope uh, CPS doesn't hear this. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know. There's no statute of limitations, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I hope not. But I mean, I'm not saying, you know, completely raw rated R things. Right. I don't feel like we were watching Eddie Murphy. No, you weren't watching Eddie Murphy. But I don't know. I mean... I think, uh, you know, like I said, I mean, I I watch a lot of MTV and Mm -hmm. just stuff like that. Yeah, it was interesting how um, I do feel like since I didn't have any older siblings, like my older sibling was kind of like you in a way or like, you know, my my adults in my life. Like I was, yeah, a lot of musical tastes were like influenced by you or like, you know, Uncle Byron. Because, yeah, I didn't have an older brother to be like, nah, this is the cool stuff. Right. I mean, and like I said, I mean, I was probably, you know, myself, you know, listening to stuff. I mean, I remember us sitting around waiting for the Thriller video to come on. Totally. You know, I mean, my gosh, you're probably, what, four or five years old? Now, probably somebody would have said, oh, that's probably not a video for a four-year-old to be watching. But I was watching it, and I was not going to turn it off, (laughs) (laughs) you know? The thing that I actually liked about that video was is um, when I remember we rented it, it was like a VHS tape. Yes. And they had the video, but then they had like a making of documentary after that. Right. And the making of documentary was definitely like the thing that made me go like, oh, this isn't real. Like, oh, this is all fake. Like, this isn't. That's what kind of made me like not scared of it once I realized like, oh, this is make believe. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, too, I mean, you always had the knack for just being an, more of an entertainer on a general level. I mean, I remember when you were in like the eighth grade, I mean, you you were in a play, you played the Tin Man and, yep. and things like that. And I Do you remember, remember when I was in a talent show I, and I did some Red Skelton bits? I Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I was like probably the only kid that knew who Red Skelton was in that entire Probably. <laughs> probably. But I think, um, I mean, you were also a very good writer. Mm-hmm. As a young kid, I mean, I remember you getting writing awards and, you know, teachers always commenting about your vocabulary mm-hmm. and use of words and use of language and how to manipulate language. And I think... I mean, if you're going to be a good comedian, you've got to be a good writer. Oh, of course. I mean, it is so meticulous where, and obviously there's a trial and error part too, but I can't tell you how many times where it's like, I've changed one single word in a joke and that's been the difference. And it's like, why does that one word matter? Because it does. (laughs) Yeah. Or even just the infliction infliction of your voice and how you sound. Or how you don't sound. And it's just a matter of all of that, all of the above. You have to, you have to have a good writing style. Right. 
Elon Musk was talking about this on a Joe Rogan, and he was talking about eventually we'll have, you know, AI chips in our brains and we won't even have to speak language anymore. We'll just be able to like, you know, telepathically talk to one another. And I feel like that's going to be the death of comedy. Like, the whole point of comedy is to have somebody make a turn of phrase or make a sentence that's funny and then verbally say it and have it be a joke or whatever. Like, if you just telepathically projected a, a, a sentence, mm-hmm. that's not going to necessarily be funny. Right, right. I mean, You have to hear it. Yeah, you have to hear it and then... Not only that, but I'm sure when you're up on stage, I mean, it's part of the way you walk across the stage mm-hmm. or the way, you know, you motion things on the stage. You can't just stand there with a mic and talk into a mic just like I am now. Right. It's, Unless you're Stephen Wright. Or, right. But Unless that's another choice. Right. That's another choice. But, I mean, for <clears throat> most comedians, you'll notice that they do move across the stage or back and forward. You know, they'll make mm-hmm. more hand gestures or different things that they do. It's part of, and even that probably takes rehearsing. Sure. Yeah, it's funny how, like, initially you're just like, okay, I just want to write jokes, I want to be funny, and that's what you're really focusing on. But when you start getting on stage and doing a, you you have your presence, that's when it gets more nuanced, and that's where it gets, like, Am I a comic that holds the mic? Am I a comic that puts it in the stand? Am I a comic that wears a lavalier? Like all those little things, like you're not like going in like, oh, I'm going to be a lavalier comic. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you learn it over time. Like, oh, I should probably wear a lavalier because I do a lot of hand gestures or I'm very like animated. Right. Right. And I think, uh, you know, that all, I mean, just like we were talking the other day about, how long does it take for somebody, you know, to really, really hone hone in on a particular set that they're doing? Mm-hmm. And you said you could, it could take up to six months. Longer. Or even longer, you know, that they've been doing that particular act or that particular, you know, I'm like, wow, I had no idea right. that comics were going, you know, on the road with the same act you know, all over the place. It's so weird because that's the thing. Like you see the special, but you don't know all the work that went into that special. Right. And it's the same thing when people say like, oh, he's an overnight success. And it's like, no, he's not. You just found out him now. Like he's been working 10 years. Oh yeah. <laughs> he just oh, yeah. came. You just now heard of him, but it's not like he just started yesterday. Oh no, no. And I, I want, I have to ask you a question. How do you think, how do you think a young, young comedian, say 20 to 25, mm-hmm. is so much different than a comic in their 30s or even 40s right? or even 50s to where you've had more life experiences? Sure. I mean, you know, even just the fact of, you know, driving across country on a road trip, how many 20-year-olds have done that? Right, right. You know, how many 20-year-olds have... Yeah. had these life experience i mean a break a bad breakup or right. i mean you're not talking about marriage or no no just just even just a you know even getting fired from a job mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. anything like that or having an you know just life you know doing life you know getting a ticket you know <laughs> right um i mean some things just come with just age i do feel like that's part of the reason why I'm, i probably started yeah at 34 
is because of that. Because at 21, I did feel like I was funny, but I definitely was like, I don't have anything to say or like I'm funny in the moment, but I don't have any like life experience. I can't be like, Hey guys, remember how shitty high school was? <laughs> yeah. Although I mean, I know, guess I could, but yeah, I mean, it's just interesting to hear. I, I wonder where the future of comedy will go with not just, you know, millennials, you know, but what's the generation beyond millennial? I mean, the, the Oh, even younger because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at some point in time you're going to have a generation of people that have no idea you know what life was like without a cell phone what right. life would like you know without um you know a lot of things you yeah know, i feel internet like- i mean even even yourself i mean you're old enough now where i mean you internet was internet was just coming in 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 when you were in high school right you know to where you weren't two years old with a with a you know tablet yeah (laughs) yeah i feel like um you know these these i guess they want to call them uh maybe gen z it's like right before millennial yeah i feel like i'm kind of on that cusp of like i'm not quite a millennial but not quite like gen x yeah and um it is that one little bit of five-year gap where it's like i knew what life was before the internet and when the internet was around right i know both Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh obviously i mean you do too but it wasn't as i don't know yeah it wasn't in my youth it wasn't in your youth right but i'm just wondering my question is is for you i guess is how will the next gen when you know when all the baby boomers, you know, die off, when mm-hmm. they will, and I'm in that group myself. Yeah, but, good riddance. Uh, yeah, and good riddance. <laughs> <laughs> and the new the new comedians that are coming up, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of older comedians will talk about, well, when I was a kid, sort of type of stories. Right. But there's going to be a generation that doesn't even know what they're talking about. The one big difference that I see like older comics doing versus new comics now, like a lot of newer comics that are like, you know, less under 25. Yeah. They're talking a lot about their feelings, emotions, like, you know, like a lot of mental health issues, things like that, where it's Mm -hmm. like, I feel like the generations before, they kept that secret. It's like, yeah, I might have mental health issues, but I'm not going to bring it on stage. That's private. Oh, that's true. Like yeah, that's, that's there's like a stigma to like mental health. Like instead of now where it's like everybody wears it like a badge of honor. Like, oh, you have anxiety? Sweet. So do I. <laughs> so does everybody oh, How else. many suicides attempts have you had? Two? Oh, man. I had three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And. And that's what's weird about it is that a lot of times I feel like I can't really relate to that because, like, I do feel like sometimes I'm not that comic where I'm like, I kind of had, yeah, I had things happen in my life that I wish didn't. But overall, I wasn't like, I didn't have to battle with, like, mental problems or I didn't have to battle with, like, taking medication and doing all these things about, like, trying to help my mental stability yeah. Well, it, you know, the thing is, it's just everybody has different coping mechanisms, you mm-hmm. know, and some people, you know, just cope with things differently. The way you cope is 
getting up on stage, which is certainly a lot more healthier than a lot of other ways to cope with things. Well, I do feel like there is some sort of, I guess, catharsis with talking about things that are uncomfortable. It kind of does like help air it out. I guess that's maybe why people do therapy too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And a lot of times I've seen comics on open mics and stuff. They're airing out their grievances or their problems or whatever. And you're like, this isn't funny. This is for your therapist. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. And that's the difference between it's like suicide. It shouldn't be funny. Right. But it can be if it's said in the right or if told in the right way or brought up in the right context or whatever. Right. Well, you can, you, you know, it, it depends, you know, there's that. And that's where that good writing comes in mm -hmm. is that knowing how to present something in a way that people could relate on some level sure. to it and then twist it around, put that little twist into it mm -hmm. that makes it hilarious. Yeah. You know, you could tell a story about, you know, a vacation you went on and in and of itself, oh yeah, we went here, we did this, we did that, we came home, mm -hmm. you know, but you know, start adding all the different flavors of what happened and who said this and mm -hmm. somebody did that. And, you right. know, you know, my grandfather tried to kill me with a speedboat. <laughs> you know, I should bring up that. I forgot <laughs> about that. And that is 100% <laughs> true. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I almost died. Yeah. <laughs> And, oh, man. Uh, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, the storyline behind all of that, you know, you have, you know, somebody who's deaf driving a speedboat mm -hmm. <laughs> who can't hear. Hey, <laughs> slow down. <laughs> I'm headed straight for that buoy. We're <laughs> <laughs> yes. going right towards that buoy. I mean... You saw your, must have saw your life flash before your eyes. Jump! <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. That was the one time I wanted to punch my grandpa in the face. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And he, you know, he also ran the houseboat right into the sand. It right. took us, you know, half a day to get it out. <laughs> in retrospect, we shouldn't have had grandpa drive anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Don't have grandpa drive. Right. Just no grandpas in general. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, like I said, I mean, in and of itself, you know, but you tell something like that. And I, I mean, I'm sure you could write about that incident. Sure. And add it into your act and it would be hilarious. Sure. I find it too, like, with my comedy as well, and I'm sure a lot of people are this way, where it's like, this single story might be funny. But if I just tell that single story as like a non sequitur, right. it might go over well, but most likely it won't. But if I include it with like an overall like this is part of a bigger concept, right. then it kind of works better because it had there's more details in it and, and there's like a setup and something that follows it instead yeah. of it just being like, hey, guys, I was talking about cell phones and how weird those are. Now let me switch to my grandpa and almost killing me. Yes. And actually, you know, your you know, your sister says that, you know, basically grandpa has tried to kill all of his grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> in one 
<laughs> you know, and who's and, still alive? And who's still alive? You know, so it's it is, and you know, almost successfully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's weird because going back to like when I was uh, in high school and hanging out with a lot of friends and whatnot, I would tell stories like that, and um, you know, obviously, maybe this is just the comic brain. But yeah, I would embellish stuff. I would mm-hmm. flavor in stuff, you know, change mm-hmm. little details to make the story better. Right. Not necessarily like I'm going to keep this verbatim or keep it literal to what really happened. And my friends would later find out that like, yeah, those little details were added mm-hmm. and then they would give me shit for it and call me like, oh, you're just a storyteller. Oh, you just make up stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but was it funny? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, it was, but it wasn't true. And I'm like. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, right, right. And that's the, that's the thing that people, you know, people have to understand is that anybody who's talking about instances, you know, like I said, I mean, if you just took an instance about, you know, a boss you had or, per, you know, a person you had in your life, you know, they become a character. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be pretty damn funny if I would have used my nursing dress as a stripper outfit. Right. You know? Can you imagine that? I mean, I'm I'm picturing not like that sexy nurse outfit. I'm picturing actually like just old scrubs. <laughs> old scrubs. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, the way nurses really look. Right. You like know? a lot of blood on it already. Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> They're like mini mouse scrubs. Yeah. I mean, so it's just uh you you have to do that. I mean, um, But that's the thing though is that like if you're too hung up on what really happened and what didn't then you're not a comic. Right. In fact, when I heard your, you know, your com- your special, I was like, this is freaking hilarious. Mm-hmm. I mean. But you weren't like, that didn't happen. No, I, I, no, I didn't say, I mean, I didn't think that at all because I knew, I mean, I, you know, the minute you told me, I mean, you were like doing comedy. I'm like, oh, for 100%, I know I'm going to be in it mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's too many stories about me or character moments or things that i've done or haven't done right that are just too too i don't know right it's like this is made for the stage right exactly (laughs) it's made for the stage exactly that's the thing i talked to my other comedy buddies about like hey isn't this weird how like my old friends used to give me shit for that and they're like yeah they're idiots (laughs) yeah (laughs) or they're not comics like (laughs) right right i'm i'm sure that and the thing is too is that when you have people in your life that are just characters, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? In and of themselves, you know, everybody has that, you know, drunk uncle, right. you know, and that guy's funny. Mm-hmm. That guy's, you know, the things he said, the things he's done. Right. And you got to have him in your life. You know, you got to have stories about him or whoever it is. You know what I mean? Like I said, the old boss or the, or your mother or your father, or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, oh my gosh. I will give my other siblings credit, too, because I feel like all of my siblings are pretty funny in their own right, too. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing I feel like is, like, I feel like we could all be comics because we all have, like, that comic sensibility, but I don't feel like they have the, I want to get on stage and be in front of a bunch of people. Right. Yeah, I'll make my friends laugh and I'll make you laugh at at the next family gathering, but I'm not going to go up in front of 50 strangers. <laughs> yeah. That's where the one thing where I'm like, I think that's the nature, not getting too overwhelmed by that idea. 
Oh, I, I, I mean, I mean, hats off to you for even doing it. I mean, if anything, it fuels it because like you are nervous. Every comic who's worth anything, every time when they go on stage, they're definitely right before going like, Oh shit. Oh shit. I hope this works. Mm. Oh my God. Is this gonna, I, I don't even think I'm funny. Have I ever said anything funny in my life? I don't know. <laughs> but you use that energy. Mm-hmm. to go on stage and, and kill or whatever. Like, you have to have that energy. And if you don't, you're not going to do well. Dave well, Chappelle still gets nervous. Yeah. He's the best comic in the last 20 years. Yeah. He's still, if he doesn't get nervous, he he'll qu- he would quit. Yeah, I, I, oh, I'm sure of that. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you have to. I mean, to- and there's a difference between, like, nervous and confident. Like, you can be like, I know this is funny. But you still don't know if that audience is going to laugh. You could be like, yeah, they laughed 50 times earlier. But for some reason, this audience didn't. Yeah. And it's a crapshoot. You don't know until it happens. Well, and and I'm sure that, you know, audiences, you know, in different demographics are so different. You know, Mm -hmm. an audience in, you know, Texas or... Is completely different than the audience in LA For sure. versus Washington versus other areas of the country. You know, you can't necessarily, and I think you have to get a pulse on where these people are at, you know, mm-hmm. and your, your demographic of, of who you're talking to. Yeah. You know? And I feel like that's the thing. Like our culture is like very big on making people laugh, entertaining, that whole aspect. Like, American culture is huge on that. But if you go to, like, the Middle East, there's not a lot of comedy clubs or comedy in general mm-hmm. because they feel like comedy is an insult. Like, if you're saying a joke, then you're making fun of somebody. And now I'm going to f- – that's like an attack. Right. Instead of it being like, no, we're just making fun. We're just hanging out. <laughs> yeah, but I think, you know, I mean, you look at people like, you know – um, you know, Mindy Kaling, mm-hmm. who has, I mean, made people really, really take a second look at, you know, her culture. Sure. And it's, it's awesome that you see different people coming into. Yeah. Because these people are around us all, all day long. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not invisible. So, um, it's great that, you know, you see, you see all of the, you know, see all of that, you know, it's, I think it's wonderful. Oh, of course. I mean, I love seeing diverse comedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, every race, culture, gender, whatever has, uh, has something to say that's going to be hilarious. Right. And but what's really also interesting too is you'll find, you know, there's a common theme of humanity mm-hmm. that's there. Right. You know, it's just like in my line of work, you know, one common theme that you'll find is that, you know, we're all human. We're all, mm. we all bleed the same red blood. And mm-hmm. so, you know, why you think we're all so different, we're actually really more alike than you realize. Mm-hmm. You know, think, you know, I'm sure that comedy has, you know, I was just listening today, like in the, on the road trip, you know, they were saying, you know, that certain things that you could say 20 years ago, you can't say now. Sure. Um, certain feelings have changed and evolved and people have become more sensitive to s- certain subject matters or whatever. And I don't know. I mean, are, how, have we just gotten thin skinned about it or mm-hmm. are we really 
just more sensitive or we or, or yes. are we actually evolving, you know, to where we're actually more compassionate or mm-hmm. understanding of somebody else's I do feel plight. like you can be too empathetic sometimes. Especially when it does come to like, you know, laughing at others. Right. Or miss some sort of, you know, this guy's the butt of the joke, but it's like, oh, I feel so bad. I don't want to laugh at it because I'll make him feel bad for laughing. Yeah. Or whatever. It's like, you know, and, but before it's like, we didn't necessarily care as much about that. It was just like what was funny and what wasn't. Right. Not like who was it directed at. Yeah. I mean, uh, we just watched recently The Naked Gun, mm-hmm. you know, the other night. Classic. And, oh, my gosh, we were laughing so hard mm-hmm. and just cracking up at all the little funny little stupid little jokes and mm-hmm. and things in that movie. And it was just hilarious. Right. You know, and even just the slapstick humor of it, mm-hmm. you know. But. Obviously, yeah, some of those jokes are what people would call problematic in this day and age. Probably, probably. Or insensitive. Or... Right, but we we thought they were hilarious. I mean, we thought the whole movie was really funny. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Nordberg, I think we can save your husband's arm. Where would you like it sent? Oh, oh, Fred, I'm so glad you came. Well, that's good to see you. I came oh. as soon as I heard. Oh, well, thank you, Frank. You bet. Where's Nordberg? Uh, he's right here, Frank. Right. Uh, Nordberg. It's me, Frank. Now, who did this to you? I love you. I love you too, Nordberg. Who were they? Ship. Boat. That's right, Nordberg. A boat. Now, when you're better, we'll go sailing together on a boat. We'll take a cruise just like last no. year. Drugs. Hey, nurse. Quick, give this man some drugs. Quick, can't you see he's in pain? No. Give him a shot, quickly. No. Heroin. Heroin, Frank. Nordberg, that's a pretty tall order. You're going to have to give me a couple of days on that one. <laughs> oh, oh, my poor Nordberg. Oh, he was such a good man, Frank. He never wanted to hurt anyone. Who would do such a thing? <laughs> oh, it's hard to tell. Be a roving gang of thugs. A blackmailer, an angry husband, a gay lover. Frank, get a hold of yourself. Good cop. Needlessly cut down an ambush by some cowardly hoodlum. There's no way for a man to die. Yeah, you're right, Ed. A parachute not opening, that's a way to die. Getting caught in the gears of a combine. Having your nuts bit off by a Laplander, that's the way I want to go. Don't you worry, Wilma. Your husband is going to be all right. Don't you worry about anything. Just think positive. Never let a doubt enter your mind. He's right, Wilma. But I wouldn't wait until the last minute to fill out those organ donor cards. What I'm trying to say is that, Wilma, as soon as Nordberg is better, he's welcome back at police squad. Unless he's a drooling vegetable. But I think that's only common sense. The thing that I hate most, especially with like pop culture and things nowadays, is that like like with this COVID stuff, it seems like every comic now has to have like their five minutes on COVID. Right. And as a comic, I don't want to be like, okay, well, I got to think of five minutes to be like everybody else. It's like 
there's going to be thousands of people talking about this. I don't want to be thousand and one. Right. And if anything, I already feel like those thousand others are probably going to be funnier than me. Yeah, you know, you have to, you know. Or probably parallel thinking. Like, I'm going to think of the same thing that 500 already thought of, too. Well, I think, too, that everybody has to find their voice and the things that they want to talk about. I mean, if you look at the Mike Birbiglias in the world and the Kevin Hart's in the world that are talking. It's all personal. observational, you know, talking about their own life and storytelling that way versus somebody just, you know. A man walks into a bar or something like that, right, you know, right. type of jokes. It's different. You know, you have the Jerry Seinfeld, more observational comedy, but you mm-hmm. also have, you know, the Kevin Hart that gets up there and he's talking about his family, his dad, his brother, right. his mother, his, his family. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you where all of my, all of my sex advice comes from, man. My grandpa. My grandpa gives me the best advice ever. I love my grandpa to death. I wish everybody can meet my grandpa. If you're lucky enough to have your grandparents in your life, and you want to laugh, listen to me. Shouts out to all y'all with grandparents. Uh, if you got a grandpa in your life, dude, and you want to laugh, ask your grandpa just to see what he say. Say, grandpa, when the last time you had some ass? Just to see. Just to see what he says. I promise you, it'll be the funniest shit you ever heard in your life. My grandpa never answered me. He just said a bunch of stuff. Like... This is not a joke. This is what he said. I said, Grandpa, when the last time you had some ass? This is exactly what he said. He said, hey, hey, look at me. Okay? Hey, 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 what'd I do? You know what I did, all right? Okay? Hey, let me tell you something. I put that key in that door and locked that motherfucker, didn't I? Hey, okay? Hey, gave me that goddamn womp womp. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Look at my eyes. Roll them. Yep. What? What does any of that mean? What did you just... Hey. What... What did you say, Grandpa? <laughs> but you know. interesting enough, like what you said with bringing up Seinfeld, like in his latest special that just came out in, on Netflix, you you even see him pivot where, yeah, he was observational in his last yeah. special. But now in this special, he is talking about his family. He's talking about his kids and his wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I do feel like it's because he's realizing that's what people are into now. Like they don't want to hear about just airplane food. Right. They want to hear about your wife throwing up the airplane food. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. something like that. Like it has to be personal. It can't just be this general topic because it's like that general topic has been done to death. Yes. Now it has to be more nuanced. It has to be like something that only you have done. Well, and the thing is too, is that you, if it's personal to you and it's something, you know, that's that in that genre you don't have to worry about somebody accusing you of stealing their material clearly yeah you know nobody's gonna steal this it happened to me right (laughs) and if they did it'll be clear that you stole it so you don't have to worry about that i mean it's it's your experience it's what happened to you and and you know how you turn it around to make it funny Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. and um right like if i heard any other comics say like that they had three uh, dads named Barry, Larry, and Gary, I'd be like, what the fuck? No, you didn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm the only one with three dads named that. <laughs> <laughs> Barry, Larry, and Gary. That sounds like half of the Bee Gees. <laughs> hey, if I was married to one of the Bee Gees. <laughs> oh, man. That'd be sweet, Mom. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, which one would you Think want? Think of how Out high of your voice would be if, you, if I was married to one of the peaches. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. That would be awesome. I would love Barry Gibb to be my dad. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, there's something I need to tell you. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, it's it's weird how comedy has evolved. I do feel like, in a weird way, it would have been cool to be like in the 80s back then because I do feel like, I don't want to say it, it was easier, but I do feel like the, there was less people doing it. You know, like you could get more stage time and you could get oh more wow. like noticed because... There's only five guys in this room instead of 50 trying oh. to get up on stage. Yeah. yeah. It was like in the 80s, they were like looking for like, oh, you have a joke? Come on stage. <laughs> oh, I didn't know it was like that, at, you know, back then. Yeah. I mean, because that's when the like comedy boom opened up. So there was just all these comedy clubs opening up with no talent. Mm. No, there was nothing like they weren't, they didn't have A-listers coming in every day. Mm-hmm. It was like they were only open Friday and Saturday because that's the only time that they could get comics to go up. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. But, I can't even remember. Gosh, I can't remember one of the first. I, don't know, I think I saw Brian Regan mm-hmm. a long time ago. I saw Kathleen Madigan a long time ago. Oh, I always enjoyed going. Right now, are you a stickler for like blue versus clean or? No, I think, uh, you like, know, is I there think a so- limit or is there like, oh man, he's just too filthy. Um, I think there is, there's some types of jokes that just aren't funny, but I have no problem with salty language. Right. You know, um, that's not a problem at all, you know, but it certainly has to be kind of fit within to the joke. If you're just using profanity mm-hmm. just to use profanity because you have nothing else to say. Right. Um, like I have this classic example and I brought it up on the podcast before, but not for a while. Um, I used to do this joke about, um, Game of Thrones, how I hated Game of Thrones uh-huh. and how it's like so popular now that like, you know, about like plot points and you know, characters without even having to watch a show. It's just like in the lexicon now. Mm-hmm. So like there's a scene in Game of Thrones where um, this character named Hordor is, you know, holding this door. And um, I was in an elevator one time, and this the doors were closing, and this guy was running to try to catch the elevator, and he was yelling out, Hordor, Hordor. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was a Game of Thrones reference. Right. And since I hate Game of Thrones, I let the doors close. Mm-hmm. And as they were closing, I locked eyes on him, and I mouthed, Fuck Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> like right there. Like, yeah, eat it. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, it, it got a laugh. Yeah. But one time, like, there was a clean room that I was working in, and I changed the fuck to screw. Uh huh. And it was, it, it hit nothing. It, it was flat. Yeah. Because the, I don't know what it is. Like, Screw Game of Thrones is not as funny as fuck Game of Thrones. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, language is language. And I mean, I don't have any problems with, you know, I think I probably cuss a lot myself. Right. So. 
I guess I never really, I don't know, I never really. But I feel like it's a time and a place. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll curse on stage, but I'm not going to curse in front of my grandma. Right, right. I would probably, or yeah. Or to a boss or whatever. My, like, Well, I don't curse in front of my patients. Right. <laughs> 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 fucking cancer, right? <laughs> yeah. I might say fuck cancer. I hate it, but. <laughs> well, that, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but. You could have a cancer patient running towards the elevator yeah. and you're like, fuck cancer. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is weird how like yeah, language changes and it's it, I don't know what it is and that's the weird thing is is that sometimes there's no rhyme or reason or it's like you can't describe why one thing works and one thing doesn't. It just is. But you know what I think too, I think audiences are going to see through that. Sure. If you're just using, you know, a bunch of profanity just to right. just to use profanity you're going to lose your audience. Well, I've, I've noticed certain comics, there's filler words like, um, you know, uh-huh. and sometimes people will use profanity as their filler word. Yeah. I was fucking going over to this fucking guy's house and I was fucking this. And it's like every other word is that because they're just, it's their filler word. Right. And, and that's not funny. No, and I think people will, I think eventually. And then it's like, oh, that's too much. I'm hearing it too much. Right. And I, I think people will, will see right through that. And all of a sudden it's like, eh, you know, everybody's been, you know, it's just like when we went and saw Wolf of Wall Street on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. I was like, hmm, I'm not sure that this was the movie for the holidays. <laughs> 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 the holiday movie I was looking for. It's gonna be a, fa- a Williams family tradition. Yeah. We're always come on, guys, gather around the Christmas tree. Let's watch Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not quite. It's a Wonderful Life, right. but you know, <laughs> it's kind of a different. It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> without every other the angel. Word, I mean, it was too much for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. the the language. I mean, and I'm pretty, I, I don't know. I'm, well, I feel like some people are like that with Tarantino because, you know, you watch uh, Django and Chain and he uses the N-word a lot. Yeah. And uh, I think we saw that on Christmas Day as well. Right. <laughs> it was a double feature. It was Wolf of Wall Street, Django and Chain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the classics. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like a lot of people, you know, obviously he's trying to be historically accurate. You know, this is of the times. This is what people called black people back in the 1800s on a plantation. But in re, like, that might be the reality. And he, and obviously Tarantino is going for some sort of realism. But most audiences are like, you could have left the N word out. Yeah. Like, or said a different word. Yeah. Because they personally don't want to hear that word. Right. Exactly. Even if it is in a movie or whatever, it's like, I feel like that's why, uh, you know, Blazing Saddles has not done well <laughs> no, over the last. No, it's hasn't aged well. <laughs> no. Hey, where are the white women at? You know, even you know, like I said, I was listening to Mindy Kaling talk about you know early you know shows of The Office, mm-hmm. and she said you know the character Michael Scott, you know a lot of what he talked, you know the way he is. I mean, it just if it was being produced today, right. It, it would be nixed. Right. I mean, the show would probably not even be on. Which is so crazy because it's like, 
These used to take decades and generations to have social change. We're mm-hmm. seeing social change within weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something that happened in January is not going to fly in October. Mm. <laughs> Easily. But yeah. I feel like it's, is it like, are they really getting offended or are they like pointing it out because they know theoretically somebody should be offended by this? I'm just pointing it out that this is wrong instead of it. Are you not being able to sleep or you can't go to work because you, because you heard this or are you trying to be social justice warrior? I don't know. I think a lot of people too, though, that are trying to raise the next generation of kids to recognize some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And not let people get away with it. You know what I'm saying? Because if it becomes part of our language and our tone, you know, and I can only, I guess I can only speak towards women or whatever, you know, if you're using derogatory language mm-hmm. about women, it becomes so socially acceptable that we still accept this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people now are trying to raise their children differently to right. where maybe we don't. It, it's The thing that I find fascinating is that it almost seems like we're not offended by the word itself. We're offended about who says it. Because mm. if a black guy says the N-word, we're fine with it. But if I said it, we have a problem in any context. Mm-hmm. So it's literally not the sounds that is affecting you. It's who's saying those sounds. Right. Amy Schumer can talk about, you know, she can say the word cunt all the time in her specials, but it's going to take a very funny guy comic to say the word cunt and yeah. have it go over just as well. True. And it probably won't. Right. Because it can't be directed at something. It has to be like, you know, you can't call somebody that. It has to be just like, oh, almost like I couldn't have a joke be and the punchline is, and she's such a cunt. Oh, no. But if it was like the punchline was, and then she called me a cunt, then it's like, well, you're reciting what this woman called you. Right. That's better than you calling the woman that. And And you still said the same word. Like the, the word was still said. In both contexts, it's really like, am I? are you calling the woman it or is the woman calling you it? And we accept women can call men cunts, no problem. That's funny. The other way around, not so funny. Well, you know, it, also, too, if you look at just, um, you know, culture, culturally, I mean, you could take some people from Britain or other countries right. and some words, you know, they say that are completely, we would never say, right? you know, and just, it's just basically taboo in that country right i mean they call cigarettes fags right right but obviously should we be calling fags cigarettes (laughs) (laughs) look at that cigarette over there (laughs) walking around with like he doesn't have a care in the world (laughs) holding his other cigarette hand (laughs) so i should start calling gay people cigarettes (laughs) Cigarettes. (laughs) look at that smoking cigarette Yep, that's my new special. <laughs> smoking cigarettes. Smoking cigarettes. <laughs> Look at those smoking cigarettes. But yeah, I, I find it so fascinating. Like, yeah, in some cultures, like, the thumbs up is bad. But in our culture, it's like, yeah, good time. It's just weird how, like, 
merely pointing out those observations will get you in hot water. And you're like, I'm just pointing it out. Isn't this weird? And they're like, yeah, but you said it. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't say that word. And you're like, I'm pointing out it's weird that we can't say it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it is weird. Stop saying it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's supposed but, you know, I think that, you know, you work, you know, you work in healthcare so long that you, you learn certain things that you do not say or don't, you know. Right. Like you have two seconds to live. Yeah. You have two seconds. <laughs> oh, you're going to die from that. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, I guess I. Your insurance isn't covered. Yeah. No, but I, <laughs> like for instance, I mean, I can, I can see, you know, how your practice, you know, involves and, and how you introduce people. I, I always say, you know, if somebody's with somebody, you know, a long time ago, I used to just assume right. that, you know, if man with the, was with a woman or woman was with a man, that that was their husband or girlfriend or boyfriend. Now I say, is this a friend or family member? Right. You know, are you friend or family? Mm-hmm. Because I don't know. And I cannot assume anything. Right. I'm just going to assume like the other progressive side where it's like if there's a guy in the hospital and his male friend comes, I'm going to automatically go, is this your partner? Is this your lover? Because <laughs> I'm progressive. I'm going to assume everybody's gay. Everybody's a lesbian. You know, <laughs> is this your, you know, estranged affair? Estranged <laughs> affair. There have been people in the hospital who you see one woman come in visiting one day and then mm. the next day a different woman is there giving right. him a kiss and you're like awesome. okay awesome <laughs> and do you give him like a secret high five or something uh, or? no you just don't say anything <laughs> <laughs> you just don't say a word <laughs> you don't go like well your girlfriend earlier was a lot cuter <laughs> What the happened? woman that was here yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Such a bigger rack, man. You could do better. Yeah. Is that your daughter? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man, I would love to do that. That sounds like the best part of being a nurse. Like getting into those awkward situations. Like, I'll just leave you with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or you thought that, you know, his uh, caregiver was his... Uh, right grandmother yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's amazing i want to see that that could be like a whole youtube channel in itself yes just awkward mishaps in the hospital oh yeah oh yeah man are you gonna glean any material from this road trip um you know so, so far i haven't really been thinking of anything too funny it's rare that I find stuff funny in the moment. Yeah. You know, when it comes to material and whatnot, mm-hmm. it's usually like things that I look back at mm-hmm. and go like, oh, wait, that was kind of funny. Or, yeah. oh, yeah, there is a nugget of that. But there is like, so like nothing like jumped out at me like mm-hmm. right away. Like, oh, man, that's uh, that's perfect. I got to mm-hmm. say that. But um, I don't know. Road trips definitely aren't like the movies. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. And driving through Texas and New Mexico. Ugh. Yeah. What I realized, too, is that, like, there is so much land that we shouldn't own. Like, why <laughs> Why is America this big? I have no idea. There's 
80% of the land here that is never going to be used. Mm-hmm. And, but we still own it. Mm-hmm. And also, like, you know, we drive through these little towns and they're, like, less than 100. And it's like, who are the 100 people that decided, like, I want to move here? That's what I was thinking today. They- <laughs> I was, like, I was thinking the same thing. Are they all, you know, convicted felons? Or are they all, like, running from the law? Or, you know, have... um. Some I just wonder, of... do they have Instacart delivery or, <laughs> right. you know, how do they live? <laughs> I want to know if they have water <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, a house. <laughs> yeah. Or is this just like a, a tent settlement or is it like, you know, a ghost town where like the sign says a hundred, but it really should be X'd out and said zero. <laughs> right, right. Because I want to know the person that like. Obviously, things aren't going great, and then you decide, like, I'm going to move to this town called Jackrabbit Yeah, in the middle of New Mexico. <laughs> it's it's not like, well, I made my first million thinking about moving to Jackrabbit. <laughs> yeah. That's the next move. You know what? Everybody who's a millionaire, it's it's you go from L.A. to Jackrabbit. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, oh, everybody who lives here is either, yeah, running from the law or they're weird loners. Well, either that or, you know, their, or character, their characters from Deliverance or something. Right, right. <laughs> right. I'm glad we we drove by, like, through fast because if we did drive through slow, I feel like we would have definitely gotten abducted. Yeah. There would have been a guy Either you know, that explaining or we how been, you know, in my a mouth cult was. Wearing uh, gowns like monks or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And not only that, but it's like, obviously, it can't just be dudes. It has to be men and women. Yeah. So not only did, like, a man move over there, but he convinced a girl to come with him. (laughs) Yeah, what kind of woman moves to those towns? Man, that guy must have a huge dick. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Or something. Like, I can't convince a girl to go to Denny's with me (laughs) in the city. How does anybody convince, let's move to New Mexico. Oh, not Albuquerque. (laughs) Uh, two hours outside of it yeah (laughs) yeah even this town las cruces (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know yeah and and who's really the who who do you think is the have you ever met anybody that's actually been born and raised in las cruces new mexico no that's what i'm saying i haven't either we should google it like who's the most famous person from las Las Cruces. cruces yeah is it like you know it has to be like you know the fourth extra in Star Trek or something. Like, it has to be somebody so far where you're like, that's not really a celebrity. That's yeah. barely a person. <laughs> right. It's like some guy that, like, you know, oh, he grew a... He's the only one that grew a carrot five feet long. <laughs> that's the claim to fame from Las Cruces or whatever. Yeah. He's the only one that's been that's been awake for 21 days straight. <laughs> I don't even know what Las Cruces is famous for. It well, it means the Cruces. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it stands Cruces. for. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll find out who's famous in Las Cruces, New Mexico. <laughs> that will be our goal. Yeah, for I'll this put trip. it in the notes, guys. <laughs> hey guys, the internet here. According to FamousBirthdays.com, a 29-year-old social media influencer named Bobby Mayers is the most famous person born in Las Cruces, New Mexico.
making him the eighth most popular celebrity from the state of New Mexico just under Neil Patrick Harris, Demi Moore, Demi Lovato, and Jeff Bezos. However it is unknown where the fourth extra from the original Star Trek was born. Well, one last thing before we shove on out. I ask a lot of my uh, fellow guests and comedians normally uh, this, but I'll ask you too, just for fun. Do you do any impressions? Impressions? Do you know any of my impressions? Gosh, I don't know. Do one. Mm, yes. Oh. Uh. <laughs> what? You don't know this impression? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I know who that one is. Or, um, I've been doing. The little Martian guy. Yeah, Marvin the Martian. That was probably one of my, the first impression I did on stage. Um, but I've tried to do, uh, Gandalf okay. A, okay. a couple of times. Can you do my favorite cartoon character? Mm. Pete Puma. I do. I think I could do one. Um, let's see. <laughs> but I don't want no tea. It gives me a headache. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, what should we have? Coffee. <laughs> that one is the best. <laughs> I feel like I could do a lot of uh, Looney Tunes. Like, yeah, what's up, Doc? <laughs> but it's always like, I feel like my impressions aren't like full on impressions. I feel like they're more like I'm just parroting uh-huh. what I've heard before. Like, I can, I can parrot really well. Mm-hmm. But like trying to create like that voice into like a bit, that's the tough part. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is, that would be really hard. Um, but, yeah, like, if I – like, the one impression that I really wish that would work, and it, I feel like it's an age thing, too, where, like, this really proves, like, when you were born. Yes. Because I was doing this Michael McDonald impression. Uh-huh. And obviously you would be like, yeah, I know Michael McDonald. Yeah. Sure. But every time I would do it in front of anybody under 30, they'd be like, who the fuck is that? Okay, well, I have a good one for you to maybe work on then. Okay. Every time I've ever heard Bernie Sanders talk. All right. The only person I hear is the aardvark from the Pink Panther series. With oh, the right. aardvark and the ant. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. if you turn on just just YouTube aardvark, mm-hmm. ant, aardvark and the ant and listen to the aardvark. And he sounds exactly <laughs> like Bernie Sanders. Well, maybe that's what he did before he was in politics. Maybe. I don't know. But work. whoever is the voice of that character is Bernie Sanders. <laughs> hey, yeah. I know you're still in there. Better give up and save us both a lot of trouble. I know that direct approach never works, but it doesn't hurt to try. I think the, the crucial part, too, with a lot of impressions is that, like, the hard part is, is when somebody else does it, mm-hmm. then a lot of people are down just imitating that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not imitating the original voice. You're imitating the impression. Right. So, like, with Bernie, like, everybody... It's not that you're doing Bernie, it's that you're doing Larry David's impression of Bernie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love I love Larry David's impression of Bernie. Mm-hmm. Right. But I don't even feel like Larry David's even doing an impression. I think he's just Larry David <laughs> yeah. talking as Bernie Sanders. <laughs> right, right, right. But it was a lot of like, like, like Dana Carvey was classic with this, where like, he, nece- he didn't necessarily do great impressions, but he just grab the essence of what that thing is like what makes that voice funny right and then he just leaned on it yeah yeah 
like Ross Perot or or George Bush. Like mm-hmm. those weren't he didn't sound exactly like George Bush, but he had the the inflections and the mannerism. Mm-hmm. And the it's all about a catchphrase too. Right. He learned that one sound bite. That's pretty awesome. But I just feel like yeah, with like a lot of big time characters like everybody does a Christopher Walken, but it's like you're just you're hearing Kevin Pollack. Oh, uh-huh. And I'm like, you're not doing Christopher Walken. You're doing Kevin Pollock as Christopher Walken. Yes. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And and that's what I want to try to get away from. Right. Right. Is uh, how can I make it original where it's like I've I've harnessed what makes that voice funny. And now yeah. everybody who does it after me is going to do an impression of me. It's tough to be a Frank Caliendo. Sure. For <laughs> sure. I mean, I, lo- I love him. He, he... And he even so- talks about that, too, where, like, he... Obviously, like, his his most famous impression is John Madden. Right. It is, uh, it's really great to be here at Impressionist Week. I, every impressionist seems to have a signature impression. For me, it's John Madden. Uh, I love it when he explains things that you already know. He'll say things like, uh, you, you, you need to see. <laughs> because it, it, seeing is important, and if you can't see, then, then, you, then, you, then you don't know what you're looking at. His partner is Al Michaels, a guy who's na- known for the phrase, Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Which I say whenever the entire audience gets that. Here's a guy who doesn't say it that often. But <laughs> he's not, He was the greatest play-by-play man of all time, but John Mann has turned him into the and-by-and man. Because and is the only word you can say after Madden states the obvious. You have to say it over and over again until Madden's finally done. Madden will say something like, Hey, that guy right there, that guy's got mud on his jersey. And, uh, and now there's less mud on the field. And, and now he's got to get a clean jersey. And, and I don't know, Pat never did this crap to me. I miss Pat Summerall. Pat Summerall had the greatest voice of all time. Never used it, though. Just did those little phrases and thanked John Madden for everything he said. Guy be running down the field, he could paint a beautiful picture, but all he did was that, those little phrases that, to the 20, to the 25. There's a flag on the play. Hey, if the referee, if he throws the flag and he didn't make a mistake, then there's probably, there is probably going to be a penalty. (laughs) Thanks, John. But even then, now that John Madden's been dead for, you know, a few years, he's starting to do it, and 25-year-olds are like, who the hell is that? Exactly. And you're like, he's one of the biggest football announcers ever. (laughs) Like... Mm -hmm. But that's I used the thing. To like the, I used to like the Harry Carey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Harry Carey here. <laughs> yeah. Or like, yeah, or or a, a Howard Cosell. Uh-huh. You know, like those three names alone, anybody under 30 is like, who are you talking about? Right. And that's the weird thing about millennials, too, is that like there's no like reverence for the past. There's no like, oh, I want to watch that old movie. I want to watch that old thing. It's like I loved all that stuff. I always was like wanting to watch stuff that my parents were into yeah i i think eventually though i think think the younger generation it, i think that unfortunately i mean they're so bombarded with so much information out right. there i mean content, you think about content. yeah i mean you think about their youtube videos of of kids just demonstrating other toys and toy reviews and ridiculous things that kids watch mm-hmm. that 
And you're like, this is entertainment? Yeah, this is now the new entertainment? You right. Know, what, what, I don't know. We got to. Yeah, unboxing videos are still an anomaly to me. I don't know why people find them interesting. I guess it's just personality. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I mean, you think about it. I mean, but I I mean, I fear for them in that regard because mm-hmm. I mean, if if you're getting your entertainment by just watching somebody else do something, right? Where does your where is your own creativity? Where is your own voice? And how right. do you find your own voice in whatever you want to do or what you want to become? When all you've been doing is watching somebody else live your life and you right. think you're, you're just living spending hours in front of the, t- the video screen watching somebody else play video games <laughs> right. I mean, watch you go play them yourself <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah back in the day it wasn't fun to watch your brother play it was fun to you play <laughs> right exactly but people watch other people doing things well i will say that to defend them a little bit i mean there is something to be said of watching something that's just so like the skill is so there like watching a speed run on a video game where like somebody plays super Mario brothers and they never go backwards once they never die the whole game. Right. You know, it's like a perfect game. Yeah. But there are people that watch other people eat on video (laughs) on YouTube. They literally watch people eat. I feel like in those types of things, it has to be a hot chick or something like that. It can't just be like some, regular person i mean it's disgusting really i feel like the weird disconnect too with generations like mine versus yeah newer generations it's like when i was a kid i couldn't wait to be an adult i was like man it's gonna be so cool when i could wear like a smoking jacket and have some (laughs) cutty sark and like talk about politics with my (laughs) other adult friends this is gonna be great but like now it's like like guys my own age are like still wearing like board shorts and talking about video games and I'm not saying I don't do the same but it is like it's this like arrested development like you can't be an adult you have to be a kid at 50 still like you still have to be part of the pulse of like what's <laughs> in like like a 50 year old back in the day would totally like brag about not knowing YouTube right Right. They're like, I'm 50. I don't even know that stupid kid shit. Yes. I got businesses to run and all that. Ever, but 50 year olds now are like, no, you gotta know what YouTube is. You gotta know what kids are watching, or you don't mm-hmm. know what YouTube is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's just so weird. I don't want to be a kid, but also, I'm still waiting for my smoking jacket. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> It'll come. It'll be a vaping jacket. There you go. <laughs> vaping jacket. Mm-hmm. Not as cool. Okay, Mom. This was amazing. Thank you for doing this. Yes. Obviously. Thank you for having uh, me on your show. We can, um, this is another family member. I've had Kyle, Renee, Robin, and now you. Good. So, who knows what other family member will get forced to be on this show later, but you'll have to tune in to find out, guys. Obviously, follow me on the liner notes. You know what to do with podcasts and all that blah, blarkey. Uh, but obviously, you've been listening to. (laughs) 